0: This morning, I want us to take a few moments in Ezekiel chapter number 1, and I'm going to try with the Lord's help to preach to you on the throne room of goodness. Ezekiel chapter number 1, and we'll read the entire chapter. Beginning in verse number 1, the Word of God says, Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Kavar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it, out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. every one had four faces, and every one had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass." They had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. And they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side. And they four had the face of an ox on the left side they for also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward. Whither the Spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creature with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel. And they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work What was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. And their rings were full of eyes round about uh, them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. When the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their spirit to go. And the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament, Upon the heads of the living creature was as the color of the terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. Under the firmament were their wings straight, the one toward the other. Every one had two which covered on this side, and every one had two which covered on that side of their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, "...as the noise of an host. When they stood, they let down their wings. And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about, as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you in need of your help. Lord, I confess it openly before every single living soul in this room. Father, I need your Holy Spirit to give me the words to say this morning. Lord, I don't know how to preach what needs to be preached. But Lord, I know that it's you that helps us and gives us the words and the strength. So, Lord, I ask you this morning that you'd help me not say anything I shouldn't, but say everything you'd have me to say. Pray that you'd give me clarity of thought, Lord, and plainness of speech. Lord, that for those that are listening under the sound of my voice, I pray you'd open their hearts and their minds' eye to the truths that we're going to have this morning. I love you this morning, Lord, and I'm trusting wholly upon you. And I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. What we've read this morning in Ezekiel chapter 1, most commentators would tell you is the most confusing and mysterious chapter in the entire Word of God. The old rabbis used to say that it takes take 300 barrels of oil to light the lamp long enough to explain everything in Ezekiel chapter 1. Now some of you are saying, well, if a Jewish rabbi is that long-winded with it, I better get out of here now before this Baptist preacher starts in on. Let me say this morning that I know I won't be able to touch on everything in Ezekiel chapter number 1. But as I've been studying this passage of Scripture, I'm convinced more now than I've ever been before that what Ezekiel is seeing is the throne room of the Lord God Almighty. I've had this picture put up here for you. I'll go ahead and tell you this picture isn't inspired, it's just downloaded. Somebody say Amen. It's not inspired. I didn't draw it. I can't draw like that. you think it looks mysterious that way, you ought to see it if I tried to draw it. And there are a few things that I don't agree with about that picture, and I'll probably mention them when we come to it. But I do believe that this picture probably gives us a pretty good sense of what Ezekiel may have saw. And in fact, as I read this passage, God began to formulate in my mind a picture very similar to this picture before I ever even saw this picture. Now, I don't know about you, but you know they can get a few witnesses at, at, at a scene of a crime. They can ask three different folks what they saw, and they'll get three different stories. So I thought if we're all going to see the same thing this morning, maybe it'd be good if we was all looking at the same thing as well. What you see before you sort of looks like a chariot, doesn't it? And in fact, what we find is that the reason that the throne room looks so radically different from that in Isaiah and that in John is because it is that very thing. This is the chariot of the throne room of God. You say, why would God's throne look like a chariot to Ezekiel? Well, you've got to remember where Ezekiel's at. He's by the river Kabar in the land of Babylon. He can't get to a temple. He can't get to a tabernacle. He wasn't called up in the way that Isaiah was. He wasn't called up in the way that John was. Instead, God came a-looking for him there's a great truth to be found there. And I think we're going to preach on all... I mean, I know you're asking, you're wondering about the faces of oxes and eagles and wings and joining. And we'll get to it in a moment. But can I just say by way of introduction a quick word about Ezekiel? Because let me tell you something. You won't understand why Ezekiel saw what he saw until you understand uh, what Ezekiel had been through. We read in the first three verses here what I believe really to be the key to understanding the whole of this chapter. I noticed three things about Ezekiel. Can I give them to you this morning? I want you to notice, look with me at verse number 1, the first phrase. The Bible says, "...that came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kabar." I want you to notice first off that Ezekiel is a prisoner of a tyrant. Nebuchadnezzar has stormed through with his Babylonian army. He has destroyed Judah. He has laid waste to Jerusalem. And he has carried away the choice ones among them. And Ezekiel was one of those. Now Ezekiel, here he is, and he is uh, in chains. Here Ezekiel is. He is a captive. He is marching along with the rest of the captives. His life couldn't get no worse. His life couldn't get more uncertain. You know how they said it in Psalms 137. You know what they said? They said, by the rivers of Babylon there we wept. He said, yea, we sat down and wept when we thought of Zion. He said, they that took us away captive required of us mirth and required of us a song. You know what he said? He said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? That's the that's the mindset that Ezekiel is in. I mean, things couldn't be getting no worse than they have been for Ezekiel. His home has been destroyed. His loved ones, no doubt, many of them slain. Now here he is in chains being carried away. And You know, a lot of times that's just when God will show up. When things you just think they couldn't get any worse, a lot of times that's when God will show up. I see that he was the prisoner of a tyrant. Notice the next phrase in verse number 1. The Bible says this, and I saw visions of God. I'd say that he was the prisoner of a tyrant, but I see that Ezekiel is a prophet with no town. Imagine how perplexing that must have been to Ezekiel. I mean, here he is. He thinks it's all done, but he show her up and stick a fork in it. I'm, I'm done. My ministry's done. My life is done. And then all of a sudden, in a way that God had never done before, God shows up and shows him a vision. You know, a vision was always given, so you'd give it to somebody else. Now God's made him a prophet. But the problem is, he don't have a town to prophesy in. This is unusual compared to the other prophets in the Old Testament. Up until this point, all the other Old Testament prophets, they had a place to prophesy. I mean, there, was, there were streets to walk through and cry aloud and spare not. There were citizens to look at and to, and to cry and to plead the love and justice of a holy God. I mean, there was, there was a temple that you could go to up until this point and try to get a hold of God. But now all of a sudden, here Ezekiel is, and God's given him a great task but he doesn't know how he's going to complete it. You know, a lot of times, in the midst of those darkest hours, God comes along and gives us a job to do. We say, how am I ever going to do it? How am I ever going to do what needs to be done? You know, (laughs) this isn't my message, and I don't have time for another one, but I can't help but give you this. You know what the book of Job says? It says he giveth us songs in the night. You remember, don't you know that was a precious promise to those that kept watch over the temple at night? I kind of imagine, maybe it would sound a little like Paul and Silas. If you had gone into the temple uh, in the middle of the night, maybe you'd expect it to all be quiet. You'd expect, I mean, the, the, the services for the day are over, the sacrifices are done. Just that lamp is burning. Nothing's going on. It's all quiet. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what he would have sung, but all of a sudden you hear one of those temple attendants and he starts to sing maybe something like, Down at the cross where my Savior died. Maybe he starts to think, saying, "You know, God leads His dear children along." And all of a sudden, God comes along, and gives them a song. In the night. They've got a song to do, or they've got a job to do, and they don't know how they're going to do it. Ezekiel has a job to do, but he's got no town to prophesy in. But then I see a third thing, and I think this really is the thrust of his condition. I want you to notice the next verse. The Bible says, "In the fifth day of the month." which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest. I see that Ezekiel was the prisoner of a tyrant. I see that he was a prophet with no town. But I see that Ezekiel is a priest with no temple to minister in. You know, we, we can hardly fathom, but I'm getting to learn it. You know, I mean, we've, we've been staying here since we sold our place. and Somebody said to I think Brother Brandon said to me, they came over yesterday and he said, uh, He said, I've been here every day this week. I said, me too. <laughs> I said, and I'll be here every day next week. Unless something changes, probably the week after that too. The Old Testament priests, they lived in the temple. They ate of the temple sacrifices. Their whole life was vested in the existence of the temple. That was where he ministered. Ever since he was a young boy, Ezekiel had been being trained in, in the priesthood. Every day, day in, day out, he had been ministering in the presence of the Lord. Day in, day out, he had been going into the courts of the holy place so that he could offer sacrifice. Day after day, his entire existence was consumed with the things of God. And then in a matter of a few hours, a pagan tyrant burns through his city and destroys the temple. And now he's left with no place to meet God. And no place. To grab hold of the horns of the altar. Boy, what despair Ezekiel must have felt like he was in. You know that's where we get sometimes. Sometimes we get so far the Lord, away from the Lord, we don't know where we can find him. And it's not that he's gone anywhere, it's that we've gone somewhere. And sometimes some of you can remember a time in your life, and some of you have told me about times in your life. You'd say, Preacher, I mean we were that we were that family. We were that family. If the doors were open, we was there. If revival was going on, we was there. I mean, if the lawn needed mowed, we mowed it. If dishes needed to be washed, we washed them. It didn't matter what was going on, we were there. I mean, listen, if the Terminator man needed to get in, when the pastor unlocked the door, we was sitting there with our Bibles open and waiting to give an offering. That was us, preacher. We were always that family. And then something happened. And you speak of a period in your life where you got away from the Lord. A time in your life when the house of God didn't mean anything. Let me tell you something. The greatest thing you can do for your children is make church their whole thing. I'm not against other stuff. I, I really not. But let me tell you something. We we've gotten to the place where where we we have we've given up the extra spiritual activities for the extracurricular activities, and it's destroying our kids. You remember what it was like for everything to be that way. But here Ezekiel is. His whole life has been in the temple. But there's not a temple anymore. He, he's not He's not a priest now. He's a prisoner. He's a prophet. But he has no place to minister. He spent his whole life going into the presence of God. But now here he is by a pagan river in a foreign land, surrounded by enemies in the bondage of captivity. And where can he find God in all of it? Well, let me tell you how good God is. Let me tell you how good God is. I told you this is the throne room of goodness. Because when Ezekiel didn't even know where he was at, he says, I was by the river Kabar uh, in the land of the Chaldeans. He said, the only thing I could figure out, I was by a river. He said, here I was. I didn't know where God was. I didn't know how to find God. The temple is laying in ashes and in rubble. I mean, the, 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 the uh, instruments of the temple and the utensils of the temple, they've been carried away. They're in, they're in a pagan temple somewhere else. Here I am. My life's a mess. I don't know what to do. And then here comes God, rolling down the road on His throne, coming to find old Ezekiel and give him some help. The reason that Ezekiel sees the throne different than everybody else sees is because he sees it on the move. He sees the throne coming to him instead of him coming to the throne. And so like anything, if it's going to move, it's got to have things to move on. If it's going to move, it's got to have somebody to drive it. If it's going to move, it's going to have exhaust. Amen? And so what you're seeing is the chariot of the throne room of God. Let me tell you something. If you'll get in, can I say to you, oh my, we're going to preach it. We're pray. If the Lord will help me, I want to preach it next week, and I'm going to preach it the week after that. And then, if He just keeps showing me throne rooms, we'll stay in the throne room till we're in the throne room. What was it that sat down on Sinai? You listening now? What was it that sat down on Sinai? A thundering and a lightning with smoke and fire. Wonder what it was that passed by Elijah that he heard but didn't see, and he says, "I heard a wind." Then I heard an earthquake. Then I felt a fire. Then it all got quiet. And I heard a still, small voice. Oh, I'll preach that when I get to it. (laughs) I want us to notice a few things in this passage. And we are going to deal with some of the things that we've talked about. But I want this morning, I don't just want you to get something that wows you. I want you to get something that helps you. And so I want you to try to put yourself in the place of Ezekiel this morning. Here you are a foreign captive in a pagan land, and God comes by to visit you. I want you to notice a few things this morning. Notice first off the storm around the throne. Look with me at verse number 4. This is the only verse really that deals with this. The Bible says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Now, some of y'all are going to say, wait a minute, preacher. If you've been paying attention to this study, you're going to say, wait a minute, preacher. Something's out of place now. Because when we go in Isaiah, the first thing he sees is the throne. When we go with the Hebrews writer, the first thing he sees is the throne. When we go with John, the first thing he sees is the throne. But with Ezekiel, the first thing he sees is a whirlwind coming out of the north. I want you to notice first off the fury of it. What a strange sight this must have been. Oh my, I'm, listen, I'm five minutes ahead of you in preaching, and so if I look like I'm having a good time and you don't know why, stick around about five minutes and you'll understand. Imagine how strange it must have looked. Imagine how, let me say it, terrifying it must have been to see this whirlwind coming out of the north. He looks. And like a raging fury, this cloud is storming, no pun intended, storming towards Him. He sees a lightning flashing out of it. He hears the thunder accompanying it. He sees a fire. The Bible says it's enfolding itself. You know what that literally means? It means it's taking itself in. That means almost like arms of flame were stretching out of that storm and reaching back in. Don't you know Ezekiel thought to himself, Oh my, I've messed up now. Oh my, me and these other captives, we've lived in sin too long. There's the fury of God. There's the wrath of God. It's coming for us. There's the arms of flame. There's the terrifying thunder. God's coming along and He's going to scoop us up. He's going to destroy us. Oh, what a furious sight that it must have been. But you know, you say, Preacher, why didn't he see the throne first? Look with me. Look down at the end of the chapter. When Ezekiel finally sees the throne, what does he say about it? Verse number 27 says this, And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it. Go back and look at verse number 4. He says, "...and out of the midst..." Thereof, as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Go back to verse 27. I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it. From the appearance, oh, I like this, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw as it was the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. You say, Preacher, why didn't he see the throne? Don't you get it yet? Ezekiel did see the throne first of all. He couldn't see that it was the throne. It looked like a fury. It looked like a storm. It looked like the judgment of God. But when he got a little bit closer glimpse, he realized what I was so scared of, what I thought was going to destroy me, what I thought was going to cast me down and grind me into powder. When I got a little closer, I saw Him on His throne, and I saw that that ember, and I saw that that fire was emanating from His very heart and His very soul. He says, I was looking at the throne, but I didn't. No eyes are looking at the throne. You know, a lot of times in our life, a wind and a storm passes through. We start looking around and saying, Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? All of a sudden, things go wrong. A loved one ties. Uh, we, we go, we lose a big financial uh, fall. Uh, something A sickness takes hold of our life. Our children get out of the will of God. All of a sudden, a storm comes in. We say, where's God in all this? But let me tell you something, honey. You stick in a little longer, you might find out it was Him all along. He was looking around trying to find God. He didn't realize that it was God the whole time. You see, that's the thing about a throne. Is anything that happens in the court can be attributed to the man on the throne. And what was going on in the court could be attributed to the man on the throne. You say, Preacher, how am I going to survive this storm? Well, you just got to remember who's in the midst of it with you. You say, Oh, Preacher, I mean, things are about to fall. The bottom's about to fall out. My life is a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's nothing but chaos but there's a throne in the middle of your chaos. You may not be able to see it from a distance, but you get close enough to it and you might find somebody sitting on the throne. We see the fury of this storm. But I want you to notice, secondly, the fire of this storm. We already touched on it, but it says a fire enfolding itself. You say, what's the significance of that, preacher? Well, literally what it means. I said I that, like flames leaping out and coming back in. What it means is as this fire would grow and then uh, diminish and grow and then diminish, Ezekiel began to realize there is, the fuel for that fire is within the fire itself. Or could I put it this way? Ezekiel says, I saw a self-sustaining fire. Nothing was fueling that fire. That fire was fueling itself. We always, read about, <laughs> we always read about Moses and the burning bush. We always say, oh, what a wonder to see a bush on fire. Well, I don't think so. You go to some of these restaurants sometimes, look at the mulch. Somebody will go out there, flick a cigarette, and you'll see a burning bush. It's not that remarkable that the bush was burning. You say, oh, but there's no one around to set it on fire. Even in the desert, that's not that remarkable of a thing. It gets so hot a lot of times during the day and it's so dry that it it is not uncommon for the sun itself just to bake uh, the plant life and for it to catch on fire. You know what the thing was that astounded Moses? You know what it was that captured his attention and that enraptured his soul? He said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight that the bush is burning, but it is not consumed. He says it's a sustaining fire. It's able to burn without burning out. And when he looks at the throne that Ezekiel sees coming, he says, I see a, I see a fire that's a burning, but it's not burning out. Can I tell you something? You may get tired sometimes and give up. God don't never get tired and God don't never give up. Sometimes you may lay down on the job. I mean, I I do sometimes. One of the toughest things about pastoring is you're your own boss. I mean, listen, pastoring, listen now, pastoring is a bipolar thing because you'll have some days that you're going so hard that you don't even know if there's time to stop and eat. Uh, you you'll go uh, listen, you'll go 45 minutes forget to breathe. And you'll just I mean you're going so fast, going so hard and you got people tugging at you every way. I like what one fella said. Uh, he had a deacon get mad at him because he was over at the hospital visiting one person and couldn't be over at the hospital visiting the other. That pastor looked at him and said, "Listen, I'm cool, but I'm not cool enough to be in two places at once." Amen. I mean, I'm not that cool. I mean, I'm cool, but I'm not that cool. And sometimes it feels like that, but then you have the slow days. Everybody looks, they'll call you up and say, What are you doing? You'll say, Well, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drag you out of bed at three in the morning, go down to the hospital, see how nice it is. Hey, man! Right? Sometimes you feel like you're just going to burn up and burn out. Sometimes I get tired. Sometimes there might even be a little bit of laziness, if I was to be honest. They say when John Wesley was getting old, that he wrote this in his journal. He said, uh, Doctor has told me I must limit my preaching engagements to no more than 40 times a week. 80-year-old man, 40 times a week. I'd die if I preach 40. I, that's not an exaggeration. I'd die. I'd drop over and i You see how I'm sweating? I'd just dry up like a prune and die. And he said this. He said did not get out of bed until a quarter to four this morning, feel laziness creeping in. Boy, I ought to tell you something. Sometimes things get difficult, things get heavy, and we just feel like the wagon's loaded a little bit fuller than we can pull. And we say, Lord, I don't know if I can. you ever stopped and thought about this? God don't ever do that. God never bites off more than He can chew. God never commits Himself to more than He can handle. I'm sure that as Ezekiel is beside the river, I'm sure that as Ezekiel, he's growing tired of the prisoner's mark. The chains are weighing heavy upon his hands. And he says, oh, that I might just give up if there was something that could just give me a little fuel, a little strength, a little energy, maybe a little fire to keep going on a little further. Then all of a sudden, here comes God rolling out of the north with a fire enfolding it. He says, Ezekiel, you may faint and you may fail, but my throne room is ever lit with my own righteousness and holiness, and I will never give up. Our God, the Hebrews writer said, is a consuming fire. So we see, first off, the storm of this throne room. I want you to notice the second thing this morning. Get excited, this is what she's waiting for. We see the seraphims under this throne. Now, I've got an opinion about this. And you're going to have to take my opinion, because I'm preaching and I don't have anything better than an opinion to give you. If there was any place in which I disagree with this photo, it's in two places. One is with the location of the rainbow. We'll talk about it when we get there. But the Bible says it's around the throne. The other is in the representation of the four creatures. Now, listen, I want you to listen carefully to what I say. I don't want to come out of here. Service is over. I don't want to walk around picking up 47 different doodlings of creatures, okay? So just listen carefully to some of the things I'm going to say. John and Isaiah see the same creature in a different way than Ezekiel sees them. As you study these three throne room events, you'll find something interesting. You'll find that the cry of the seraphim's in Isaiah chapter 6, is nearly identical to the cry of the creatures in Revelation chapter 4. They both say, holy, holy, holy. So I'm convinced those two are the same. You say, what does that have to do with these creatures in Ezekiel? Well, I'm convinced that the creatures in Revelation and the creature in Ezekiel, they are the same. Because they have the same faces. Now, when John sees them, he doesn't see four creatures each of them having four different faces. Rather, John sees four creatures, each of them having a different face from the other. You say, preacher, why is that? Let me give you this word, perspective. Perspective. When Isaiah sees the throne room, he's called up into it the same way that John is. They're called up into the throne room. And so they are standing like a fly on the wall, maybe at a great distance, maybe at a fairly near distance. But when they see the throne room, they see the throne room sort of the way that I'm looking at you. They see it in a two-dimensional plane. And so they see things differently. There are two grand discrepancies between all three of these throne room examples of these creatures. One is the wings, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But the other is the faces. Now, you've got to remember that Isaiah doesn't say anything about their faces. You say, why doesn't he say anything about their faces? Because they covered their faces. You remember that he said that with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And they flew and cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And so he doesn't see their faces. John does see their faces but he attributes only one unique face to each. He said, why is that, preacher? Well, remember what John's looking at. John, John when he sees the throne room, it's a little bit more slam-packed fool than when Isaiah saw it. You see, because of the dispensation of grace, because Christ died on the cross and He descended into the lower parts of the earth and He took captivity captive and ascended upon high, now those 24 seats have been filled with 12 saints from the Old Testament, 12 saints from the New Testament. That's the same reason John doesn't say anything about their feet. He can't see their feet because they're standing in the midst of that crowd. Isaiah doesn't say anything about their feet because they took wings and covered their feet. But they're all looking at the same creatures. Why does he differ in the way he talks about their faces? Because when he sees them, they're all looking at the throne. And so he sees the front of the back one's face. He sees the back of the front one's face. He sees the left side of the right one's face. And he sees the right one of the left side's face. You see the human side... (laughs) are all around the throne. I've told you this before, and you, you say, well, I won't believe what I... Well, believe what you won't believe. I know you like to think that Mammon and Papa are looking down from heaven in a big fishbowl at you. I hate to burst your bubble, but it ain't you that they're paying attention to. There's one upon the throne. The Ancient of Days is there. Listen to me. If the creatures uh, that dwell in the presence of the holiness of God are still all struck with Him so much that they can't take their eyes off Him, then let me tell you something. If you're grandmama is saved, and your grandpappy is saved, I promise you they're looking at something better than you and I. They're all looking at the throne. You say, why the discrepancy in the wings? Remember, Isaiah and John see him on a two-dimensional plane. Ezekiel says each side had four wings. You say, I don't know about that. Well, that's what he says. Let's read it. If you don't believe me, you got your Bible, but we'll read it. I say that, I don't know if anybody really didn't believe me, but let's read this. Verse number 5, Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This was their appearance, they had the likeness of a man. You say, what does that mean, preacher? That means they had the build of a man. Just like we're made in the image of God, we have the likeness of God. And God's described with feet. He's described with hands. He's described with a head. We're made in the image of God. And whenever Ezekiel saw him, he said, "Hey, they're standing upright like a man would be. They've got arms. They've got legs." He says, "And everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings." Now you say, "Wait a minute, preacher. What's he saying there?" He's saying everyone had four faces, and every face had four wings. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, let's read on a little bit further. And their feet were straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. Let me just pause there. You say, Preacher, why do they have calves' feet? You remember what the prophet said in the Old Testament? Make your feet like hinds' feet. They They were quick. They were rapid. Isn't it good to know that when we need the throne room, the throne room's quick? Isn't it good to know that we don't have to wait long on it? It's going to show up right on time. He says this in verse 8, And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. Each side had four wings. You say, why does John and Isaiah, why do they see it differently? They're looking at a two-dimensional spectrum. And so they see the two wings covering their face, Isaiah does, and the two wings covering their feet, and then a wing from each side taken in flight. So they see it from a two-dimensional spectrum. When Ezekiel sees them, he sees them three-dimensionally. And when he sees them, they don't have to cover their faces. We talked about that, but we talked about it last week, so we won't. They don't have to cover their faces. And so when Ezekiel sees them, because remember, he's not been invited up into the throne room. The throne room has come and sat down on top of him. And he sees things in a three-dimensional plane. We see their description. Notice the second thing. Look at their direction. Verse number 12, the Bible says, "...and they went everyone straight forward. Whether the Spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like the like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning." And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The Bible says that when they went, they went straight. And you say, what does that mean, when they went, they went straight? you got to understand a little bit about the wheels, and we'll talk about them here in just a moment. But uh, they went whatever direction the face was facing. You say, what do those faces represent? I know you want to know this. is what everybody wants to know. What do the faces represent? Well, there's a lot of different theories about it. A lot of different theories. There's some theories that these different faces uh, represent. I, I would say this. I believe that they represent to us the fourfold offices and actions of the Son of God. You have within these four faces representations of what? Four Gospels. The book of Matthew presents them as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the king of kings. The book of Mark presents him as the servant of man and the servant of God. The greatest of all animals of servitude was the ox. The book of Luke presents him as the son of man in his humanity, in his physical presence. And so we have a man represented. And then the book of John presents him as the son of God. What what more king of the skies is there than the eagle? The Old Testament speaks of of the Lord mounting them up upon eagles' wings. You say, what does that mean, preacher? Well, it tells me this. Did you know, I don't know if you knew this, but all four Gospels are about the same person. Did you know that? But did you know when He did things, He did things with different emphasis? And so the book of Matthew presents a different emphasis to us. We were talking about that in Sunday school. In, in the book of, oh boy, look at that. What, I hope that throne room comes a rolling through here and gives me more time. <laughs> in the book of Matthew, we're presented with, with uh, two blind men crying out, we're presented with two maniacs crying forth. You say, why is that, preacher? The reason for that is because he's coming as king, and folks have a choice to make. They have a choice to make. We go on and on through them. But it tells me this. It tells me that God has divine purpose in the direction His throne room goes. Sometimes He's doing things as the servant of God and the servant of man. Sometimes sometimes He's doing things as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Sometimes He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's doing things as a man. And then sometimes in all the majesty of the Son of God, He's moving in His divine capacity. And they moved straight forward. tells me the throne room is deliberate. Let's move on. I don't have a whole lot of time. I want you to notice a third thing. We see not only the storm around and the seraphims under, but I want you to notice the circles that are under the throne. Or could we say the wheels that are under the throne? Look with me at verse number 15. I want you to notice the manner of the wheels. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. And the appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of beryl. And they, had, they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Now, we've talked about this before. I was talking to Mama last night about some of this in Ezekiel. And, you know, for a lot of years, people, if you believe this, that's fine. I won't fuss at you. But a lot of people believe that what Ezekiel saw was, was an alien. You ever heard anyone say that? Heard that? The reason why that was popular for a long time is because if you turn a flying saucer on its side, it sort of looks like a wheel, middle of a wheel. The problem is they, they turn the wheels the wrong way. You see, a wheel in the middle of a wheel wouldn't allow it to go this way and that way and that way and that way. It still don't go diagonal, but it can go straight any direction that the four faces are facing. Look at the picture. I'm sure you already have. But you see a wheel in the middle of a wheel. makes a globe and it speaks of the throne's mobility, the presence of God to get wherever we need Him to get to. The presence of God to move where we need Him to move and to do what is most necessary in our lives. Notice not only that, but notice the eyes. The Bible says they're full of eyes. We'll talk about it in a moment. But can I just say this? God sees where He's going. God sees where He's going. You know, sometimes you'll get out on the road and you'll be driving. and uh, Let me tell you something. You ever seen someone hit something and you can tell they just didn't even see it? I was driving down the road one day. Uh, behind a, a uh, an older lady, and she's driving. We're going down Emory Road, and she's driving. And, I mean, like, like it didn't even faze her, she goes off the road, takes out four mailboxes, back out onto the road. Just kept it going. She wasn't mean-spirited. She just didn't see it. She wasn't watching where she's going. Isn't it good to know that the sovereign God of heaven that knows everything... He watches where he goes. He know. don't you imagine, here Ezekiel is. Don't you know Ezekiel just felt minuscule compared to, this? he says that the rings of the wheel are so high that they're dreadful. Don't you imagine that Ezekiel said, boy, I hope that thing don't run over me. Then looked and thought, oh, it's not going to do that. Cause those rings are full of eyes. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get to feeling like God's just going to run over us. We get to feeling like 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 what God's doing in our life is getting so big and so out of control. He's just going to roll right over us. But don't you forget, friend, that there's ring, there's there's eyes in the rings of the wheels under the throne room of God. Notice their movement. Look what it says in verse number 19. The Bible says, And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. When the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the Spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their Spirit to go. Now notice that phrase again. Whithersoever the Spirit was to go, thither they went. Thither was their Spirit to go. you say, Preacher, who is the Spirit? Well, you know who the Spirit is. He's the Spirit in the throne room in, John, or in Revelation chapter number 4. He's the Spirit that is spoken about in Isaiah chapter number 11 as being uh, the seven spirits of God and the seven lights on that lamp. You say, who is the Spirit? He is, the Bible says, one Lord, one faith, one Spirit, one baptism. He's the Holy Spirit that lives inside you, lives inside me. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the throne room up there, is in tune with the throne room that's in here. We see their movements, and I'm running out of time. i got to keep going. I want you to look not only at the storm around and the seraphim's under and the circle's under, but I want you to notice the sky that's over Ezekiel, but is under the throne room. Look at verse number 22. The Bible says, "...and the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature." was as the color of the terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. You say, well, maybe that's over the throne. No, because it says down in verse number 26, and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of the throne. So in other words, where Ezekiel is standing, he can see a throne, but he sees it through a glass darkly. Paul said that, didn't he? Listen to what Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I know. You know what Paul's saying? You know what Ezekiel's saying? He says, I don't have throne rooms in there. I, I, or I don't, he, oh my, he says, I don't have eyes in there. He's got eyes down here. You know, sometimes we just can't figure what God's doing. Sometimes we just can't make sense out of what's going on in the throne room. Sometimes we look up up there and we wonder, can God even see what I'm going through? Well, let me remind you, my friend, as you look up there, you're looking through the sea of glass to the other side. That's what John saw. When John saw it, he's in the throne room up there with the throne. So he sees it as a sea of glass. But Ezekiel, see, he's underneath. The the wheels are so high they're dreadful. He's underneath. So he looks up and he sees it as a firmament of crystal. You know, that's kind of where we're at. I wish we were where John was. There's coming a day, thank God, that we're going to be where John is. But at this time in our life, we're a lot like Ezekiel. I mean, listen, we're priests without a temple. We're uh, prophets without a town. We're prisoners in a tyrannical foreign land. Right now, things aren't happening. How they ought to be. Thank God they're not how they're going to be. But as we look up to the throne room, we may not understand why. Things may look a little cloudy. Things may look a little distorted. But we just have to remember that now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Then face to face. We see the view under the throne room. We see the perception under the throne room. I want you to notice the second thing. We see the voice from above the firmament. We see the view from underneath the ferment. But then when it gets quiet, there's a voice above the ferment. It's a still voice. It's a small voice. You say, how do you know that? Because before that, you know what Ezekiel says? He says, I heard a voice, but it was as the voice of the noise of hosts and as the voice of many waters. He said, when I got to paying attention, I realized that when that throne room was a-moving, that was the wings of the angels beating and that thundering and that terrifying sound that I heard, well, that wasn't God at all. When they stopped and got quiet, I heard a still, small voice speaking to me. And he says, Ezekiel... He's going to spend about 40-something chapters speaking. But suffice it to say that it's a blessing to know that there's a voice that does speak. He's going to spend 40-something chapters speaking. But suffice it to say that it's it's a blessed thing to know that if things just get quiet enough, we'll hear the voice again. We may be in a storm right now. We may be in a mess right now. We may think that God's nowhere around, but God's right there in the middle of the storm. You know what the quietest part of the storm is, don't you? That's the eye of the storm. If we'll get down into the middle of that thing, when it stops moving and gets quiet, we'll find there's a voice that is speaking from the firmament above, and it'll speak to our hearts. And we'll get the help we need. Finally, notice the seat. Of this throne room. Verse 26. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. As the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. Well, look where we've come full circle. Ezekiel says, now I know what that brightness was. That was a throne. And him that sat on it. Let me say a word about the brightness of the throne, and I'm not going to say near as much as I want to. But Hebrews 1 says this. Verse number 1 says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. You say, what does that mean to me, preacher? What does that mean to me? The Bible says, no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. That's the only way. The Bible says, Christ looked at Philip, and uh, Philip said, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Christ said, Philip, have you been so long time with me and hath not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But he also, the Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. You see, what Ezekiel saw as God coming in a fury, if he could have just seen it, he would have seen it was really Christ coming in faithfulness. That's not to say Christ isn't God. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm merely saying what looked so terrifying when he got a little closer he saw a brightness within that. <laughs> he saw a brightness within that throne, from the loins upward, from the loins downward. You know what that's a picture of? You know, there's another word that's used in the Bible that's sort of used parenthetically with the word loins, and it's the word bowels. Preacher talked about that a little bit on Friday night. That the bowels speak of the feelings. You know that at the very. Listen now. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. I promise you, I'm more tired than you are. At the very heart of that sovereign throne, when you get down to the very core of it, there's a heart that beats for you. You get down to the very core of that sovereign throne upon which the ancient of days sits. That throne that will stand when all other thrones have crumbled. You get to the very center of it. And you'll find the one that loved you enough to die for you. We see the brightness of the throne, but we see the bow of the throne. He says, I saw a bow, and the bow was the brightness. I don't have enough time to say it. But can I just close with this? What began as a storm ends with a promise. That's what the bow is. It's the promise of God. It's the promise that He is going to judge the world again, but He's not going to judge it like He did. And those that have let the first judgment be taken upon their old rotten wicked self through the person of Christ on Calvary, they're not going to have to have a part in the second judgment. Or could we put it this way? There's a first death. But if you've let Him die your death, then the second death has no power upon you. It's the promise of God. Last week we talked about how John saw God on the throne and the bow was about the throne. And everywhere God looked, God saw the bow. God couldn't look at us except through His promises. That's the discrepancy I have. Whoever this person is says, I see a bow above it like I'm used to seeing. You know, that's how we are. We see the promises of God like our promises. The promises of God don't mean much because we know how much our promises mean. We make and break promises like they're going out of style. But can I remind you that the (laughs) the bow that's around the throne of God, it's not just half a bow. It's a whole bow. That by two immutable things, God's made a promise to Himself. and He won't break that promise. The promises of God, what does the Bible say, are yea. They're yea and amen. Promises of God are true. I don't know if I can make it, preacher. I don't know if I can make it. My life's a storm, and I don't know where to find God. You may find that you came to church this morning, you didn't know where to find God, but maybe He came by and found you. Spoke to your heart, and gave you some strength for the journey ahead.